South Coast Snow Day. With this volume of snow, it takes a little bit longer for us to do the clearing. The treacherous conditions and the special snowplow escort who cleared the way for a sick child in need. If my boys needed something like that, I, I would have done anything I could to make sure it happened. Urgent appeal from Victoria Police. So this is a very, very close call. The shocking hit and run that put a woman in hospital. And back to school concerns. The children are not going to be safe. Teachers will not be safe. And of course, us parents won't be safe. Fears the phased restart won't be enough to fend off Omicron as BC's case count explodes. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. The South Coast woke up to a winter wonderland this morning. And while it was pretty to look at, depending on where you live, the snow was piled 15 to 20 centimeters high. And as you might imagine, that caused all kinds of issues. Aramada Gahi is live in Vancouver with more on the impact. And it's fair to say, Ahmad, that it's been a challenging day for many. Yeah, just a difficult day to try to get anywhere. And strangely enough, it wasn't because of crashes that the traffic was slow, so slow this morning. It was just terrible driving conditions, major routes not being cleared quickly enough for the morning rush. The snow and slush is hard enough to drive through, so when you add even the slightest hill into the equation, you'll discover a scene like this. A semi-truck completely immobilized, behind it a mile of traffic. And what I'm starting to see is people get quite impatient too. People just need to like chill out and relax a wee bit. Now there are people helping others get up the hill here, which is nice to see, but it certainly looks dangerous. The conditions on the road, difficult. Just about everywhere you went in Metro Vancouver on Thursday, compounded with poorly equipped vehicles and in some cases, poor judgment. Sky trains were only slightly delayed thanks to manual operators. Some buses didn't fare so well. A lot of struggles on Va in Vancouver for the bus routes. Uh, 41st Avenue was really bad. Broadway, um, just key arteries that you think would have had more love from the salt trucks and the plows didn't get it. So um, certainly a lot of frustrated drivers calling into AM730 this morning. Our buses are only as good as the roads they drive on. So if you're having trouble uh, driving through those um, snowy winter conditions, our buses are as well. The city of Vancouver says it had crews out brining before the snowfall. And when it hit, their priority for plows were what they call level one routes. Arterial and collector streets, which that covers all of our bus routes, our emergency evacuation routes, emergency vehicle routes. Uh, and our routes are around hospital and care facilities, our major hospitals. So those are kind of our number one priority. And for a second time this winter, a truly Vancouver phenomenon. Bike lanes cleared in some cases well before their adjacent pedestrian walkway. <laughs> Off the road, of course, all the new snow was peaceful, especially for parents a day after learning the kids would be home from school an extra week. It's pretty magical doing uh, Christmas and with all that is going on, I think it's a good break for the kids especially. All right, Ahmad, you mentioned the plowing seemed to come too late and was hit or miss in some areas. Did the city have an answer as to why that happened? Now, one thing that is for sure, and the city did admit, is that the snowfall exceeded the forecast 
and the expectations. We were told by Environment Canada it would be somewhere near 10 centimeters of snowfall here in Metro Vancouver, especially here in Vancouver. Well, it was closer to 15 uh, and to 20 centimeters. Just a lot of snow for crews to deal with. We also, uh, I learned today that in some areas, on some routes, uh, the city officials and their crews had hoped that uh, just the volume of people driving on the road those tires spinning would activate the salt and brine, uh, essentially melting the snow on its own, clearing it on its own. Certainly an interesting strategy, just not one that drivers care too much for, at least to start. <laughs> I, uh, I understand. All right, thanks for that, Imad. Imad Agahi reporting in Vancouver. Well, as often happens, the eastern regions of Metro Vancouver were among the hardest hit areas. Neetu Garcha joins us with more on the conditions that created an unusual mission for a snowplow driver and contributed to the most serious crash of the storm. Nitu. Sophie, BC Emergency Health Services tells us its ambulances are prepared to operate in winter conditions and all of them carry chains. But last night, a plow truck had to be called to help an ambulance transport a child to BC Children's Hospital. This came a few hours after a multi-vehicle collision here in Surrey sent a child to hospital in critical condition. Treacherous conditions turned tragic in Surrey overnight. Around 11 p.m. Wednesday, amid heavy snowfall, a multiple vehicle collision on 176th Street near 96th Avenue. It was an older model station wagon, lost control due to driving conditions, struck a median and then was subsequently hit by other vehicles. Sadly, a very young child was injured and they're currently in critical condition as a result of the collision. And the response to emergency situations such as this can be compounded by the very factor that contributed to this crash. City of Surrey plow truck driver Mark Worsley got a call around 2.30 a.m. to assist an ambulance with a child patient on board needing a transport to BC Children's Hospital in dangerous driving conditions. With the details I got, there, there was no way I couldn't help and I just needed to, to do what I, what I had to do to get that, that you know, young boy there safe. I have two boys myself uh, and if, if my boys needed something like that, I, I would have done anything I could to, to, to make sure it happened. Not every roadway has been plowed at this time. So if you don't need to go out or your vehicle is not prepared or equipped for these conditions, please stay off the road. On Highway 1, a slippery Thursday morning commute and similar scenes on Highway 7 near Maple Ridge as some sections remained unplowed. So if you are driving, take it slow. As for those who don't have the option of staying safe indoors, Pastor Ward Draper is helping where he can in Abbotsford. I've got toques and scarves and, you know, the, the handy bag of socks. But, you know, my concern is having enough gear, making sure we have enough blankets going out and sleeping bags. He's encouraging anyone who can help through local agencies to do so, highlighting how the province's beauty shines through in more ways than one in times like this. And Sophie Ward Draper is encouraging any of our viewers tonight who are wanting to do something to contact their local agencies to see how they can support ongoing efforts to help the homeless and to provide warmth during this ongoing cold snap. Back to you.
All right, thanks for that, Neetu. So what do the next 12 hours look like and what could it mean for your morning commute tomorrow? Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us with more on that. Yvonne? So if we are seeing a break from the snow, so dry conditions overnight, but very chilly. We'll dip down to minus 8 with the wind chill feeling closer to minus 12. I anticipate it'll be icy, so give yourself that extra time for the morning. By the afternoon, only minus 3, and then we've got an increase in cloud cover. So far, dry conditions, New Year's Eve for Metro Vancouver, but we've got that cool Arctic air still along the northern and central regions of the province. Fraser Valley Arctic outflow warning is still in effect. The wind chills into the minus 20s. However, a weather maker that is moving in for the weekend, the start of the new year, 2022 on Saturday, is going to bring a significant amount of snow for areas near Whistler. We do have a winter storm watch that is in effect, and we are looking at the potential for very heavy rainfall and melting snow on our Sunday. I'll have more coming up very shortly. Sophie? All right. Thanks for that, Yvonne. Of course, it wasn't all winter suffering today. People in Victoria's Beacon Hill Park taking advantage of the 13 centimeters that fell on the capital city today, allowing for some rare snow play on the south coast. How much fun is this? Very fun. Yeah? What's your favorite part of it? Um, bumping into people. Awesome. How was that? So good. Yeah. Good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. What's the snow conditions like this morning? They're pretty much perfect for sledding. Yeah, very fast. Slick bottoms. It's good times. <laughs> Say hi, Harry. Hi. Yes, I'm having a lot of fun. Next. All right, turning now to COVID-19, we have startling new numbers today and a look at the direction we are rapidly heading. We have nearly 4,400 new cases over the last 24 hours. That takes BC over the quarter million case mark and 17,357 of those cases are currently active. That is another record high. 211 people are in hospital with 66 of those patients in the ICU. There has been one more death from complications of the virus. And with so much Omicron now in communities right across the province, leaders in the education sector are saying it's inevitable. K-12 classes will end up going online for many. The reason, there just won't be enough staff to operate the schools. As Richard Zussman explains, this has teachers calling for better protection. Crash course, Omicron versus schools. Those in the education system bracing for the worst. It's completely foreseeable that we would be in situations where we have insufficient staff to supervise and provide instruction. With the start of school pushed back for a week for most kids until January 10th, the Surrey School District and many others are planning for the inevitable, online schooling. The way that Omicron is going, we're in a situation where you know, as early as next week or just the, the very first week when instruction begins, we could be saying to families, hey, we have insufficient staff to run uh, school uh, in session as normal. So we're going to be moving entirely online. The province is attempting to avoid going back to the spring of 2020 and online learning. But the virus seemingly has different plans. One possible solution, fast tracking teachers for booster shots who, unlike healthcare staff, do not automatically get a shot six months after a second dose. An additional vaccine could protect both themselves and the school. As a teacher, um, I need to be as vaccinated as possible to protect my students and myself, uh, as well as my family and colleagues. And um, boosters need to get into the arms of teachers. 
The Safe School Coalition raising concerns already about schools being unprepared for in-person return, including a lack of proper masks and other safety measures. Leave the windows open. Allow us to raise funds for HEPA filters. My son's HEPA filter was removed from his classroom. The province is expected to formally get rid of exposure notices. With Omicron spreading, it is far too hard to understand every COVID case in a school. Instead, they will be counting on parents and guardians to help. But I think you're looking probably more to um, more of a self-management because we also have people doing their own tests. When parents will be notified by the school is only during a significant event like an outbreak or closure. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria. All right, let's talk more about these uh, exploding case numbers. Nearly 4,400 cases. Keith mm-hmm. Baldry joins us now to talk about the positivity rate, which is also rapidly escalating. What does that tell us, Keith? Yeah, I've been posting the positivity update pretty well every night the last few days because it's tied directly to our escalation in the number of cases. Our positivity rate is going up significantly. It's going up in Ontario, 30%, uh, 50% in Seattle. In BC, the rolling seven-day average was about 8% last week. Take a look at what it is now. It's approaching 17%. But take a look at, this is a line graph here, on a day-by-day basis just for the last week. Look at that sharp arc there. That positivity rate is going up. It's approaching more than 23% now. It's almost doubled in seven days. If this trend continues, uh, the 4,300 cases we see today will double to 8,600 sometime next week. We're testing a maximum of 20, 21,000 cases a day. If we hit potentially, I'm not saying we're going to get there, but we could hit 50% if the doubling trend continues, which means 10,000 cases a day. Uh, Some good news, though, to balance all this. It doesn't mean we're headed there uh, indefinitely. Uh, Brazil, or sorry, South Africa now reporting a steep decline in cases there. They're reporting they think they're over the wave there where Omicron was first discovered with no deaths. And again, more evidence or, again, little evidence that the Omicron variant causes much severe illness. And again, in terms of hospitalizations, they're going up big time in Ontario, lesser degree in Quebec. But in B.C., they're still not translating into hospital cases. Just 13 people went into hospital yesterday to today. That's a very low number compared to where we were in November. So fingers crossed, Omicron will continue to go up, but our hospitalizations continue to be stable. Let's hope that stays uh, as it is. All right. Thanks Mm -hmm. for that, Keith. Well, the COVID numbers aren't just exploding here in BC, but right across the country. As we hear from Aaron MacArthur, though, while the Omicron numbers are shocking, there is some encouraging news. People aren't getting as sick as they were with the Delta variant. From Ontario to Quebec to Alberta, provinces are piling on another daily record case count. Alberta alone saw its cases jump above 4,000. 30% of people tested are now positive. Omicron spreading across the country faster than many models predicted. Our numbers are going up. People are feeling a little bit disheartened by it. We are noticing that it is depleting some of our staff in that capacity. While Omicron cases are up, the following critical care cases aren't rising as sharply. A recent study out of Ontario shows adjusted for vaccination and region, the risk of hospitalization 54% lower than with Delta. However, the ease of transmission will mean overall case numbers could still be significant. In Quebec, the predicted surge in hospitalization is forcing officials to allow healthcare staff to work, even if positive. The province also reintroducing a host of new measures, including a curfew, between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. I know we're all tired, 
but it's my responsibility to protect ourselves from this. In response to the surge and the shorter incubation period, provinces, including Saskatchewan and Ontario, will be shortening the isolation requirement after a positive test to just five days. To ensure sufficient staffing levels, workers have the opportunity to return to work after isolating for seven days based on a negative PCR test on day six or two negative RAT tests at day six and seven. Around the world, there are signs the rapid swelling of the Omicron wave is being followed by just as rapid of a decline. But in Canada, any peak is still weeks away. No one sure when it will break or if it will overwhelm an already fragile system. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Victoria police are asking for the public's help in a hit-and-run investigation. The collision happened this morning at Bay and Blanchard, and it is shocking to see what a dash cam caught as a pedestrian was crossing the street. Next on the News Hour. Vancouver's waterfront station living up to its name today. What caused flooding that shut down sea bus service for several hours? That's later. And better than the colonel? How one man's success and disappointment at a popular fast food chain turned into his own delicious enterprise later. Right now, though, a strong warning about this next video. It might be very disturbing to some people, but Victoria police have released it in hopes it will help them catch a hit-and-run driver who sent a woman to hospital. Again, this video is shocking. It happened just after nine this morning at the intersection of Bay and Blanchard Streets. The young woman was in a crosswalk with a walk light when she was hit by a driver who didn't stop for the red light. The driver then narrowly missed another vehicle before speeding away northbound. Luckily, she was... uh... She had the, the state of mind to be able to actually get to her feet and get herself out of the intersection. Um, incredible presence of mind for someone who's just been struck by a vehicle. Now, she was transported to hospital. Luckily, she has non-life-threatening injuries. But this is a very, very close call. The hit-and-run vehicle involved is described as a late-model silver or gray mini, mini countryman. It might have damage to the right front hood and bumper. Investigators also want to speak with the driver of the Tesla Model Y that was almost hit as it was turning left onto Blanchard. And police have released security cam video of a vandalism spree targeting a number of Victoria businesses. For one shop owner, the cost to clean up the mess is starting to pile up with taggers making repeat appearances. Kylie Stanton has the story. It's the first thing Sia Sinati sees when he opens up his shop. We just cleaned it. And the last thing he sees when he closes it. I don't know how to really combat this guy. Despite applying anti-graffiti paint at a cost of $700 and the repeated scrub downs, the vandal or vandals just keep coming back for more. Just loves <laughs> our uh, shutters. But now Victoria police have released a video of the suspect captured in the early morning hours of December 12th. This video shows a very brazen individual walk up to a storefront that has a gate that's closed and begin a rather large spray painting tag. It's a, it's a significant mischief. And then 
enter uh, the building right next door. The suspect shown here is described as Caucasian, between 20 and 30 years old, roughly 5 feet 10 inches tall with a medium build and brown wavy hair. He's also carrying a black shoulder bag. Police are hoping the public or people he entered the building with can help identify him in order to move forward with charges. This is a mischief investigation. The cleanup for these things can be thousands upon thousands of dollars. There are businesses that are targeted over and over and over again. That's been the case for Cincinnati at Restart, where a new tag appears at least once every two weeks. While it's unclear if it's the same person every time, the one thing that's for sure, costs keep adding up. Each time it's uh, between 50 to $200. For this small business and many others like it in the downtown core, it's the last thing they need. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it would be good uh, if we just didn't have it. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. RCMP are investigating a targeted shooting in Surrey this morning that sent one man to hospital. Police were called to a home in the 13900 block of Laurel Drive just after 8 a.m. They say the suspect and the victim are known to each other and there is no ongoing risk to the public. A search is underway for the suspect. The public is asked to avoid the area while officers investigate. If you have any information, you are asked to contact Surrey RCMP. Shootings do place the public at risk. They are a risk to other people in the community. That being said, there isn't any indication that this is an active incident where we're looking for someone who is posing an immediate risk to harm to the community. Um, but we do think that this is targeted and as a result of a dispute between parties known to one another. Up next, subdued celebrations. Terrible timing, but um, you know, we, we, we had to make that tough decision. The impact of COVID and cold on New Year's Eve plans. And later in sports, Canucks on a hot streak. What another win tonight would mean for Bruce Boudreaux. New Year! Yay! There we go! That's our time. It may be scaled back, but New York's Times Square is almost ready to host the city's famous New Year's Eve bash. Organizers let loose hand handfuls of colorful confetti for a test flight. Gravity did its job. The test was a success. On New Year's Eve, about one and a half tons of confetti will fall on Times Square at the stroke of midnight. Well, here, for the second year in a row, COVID is dampening the spirits of would-be New Year's Eve revelers. And this year, the addition of this blast of winter weather and a dump of snow is quelling even the hardiest of partygoers. As Rumina Dea reports, once again, it is the hospitality industry paying the price. On the biggest night of the year, the party is over before it even starts. Terrible timing, but we had to make that tough decision, and that's what we did. Minami voluntarily closing down for in-person dining New Year's Eve due to safety concerns amid thousands of new COVID cases. The Yaletown restaurant will be open for takeout only. I hate to put a monetary value on it. Um, because obviously the value, uh, uh, the safety of our staff is, is the most valuable thing. There will be a countdown to 2022 at the Red Lion Pub on the North Shore, but with strict COVID protocols in place. Without the local and without the, we will not survive. And it's very important that we get the support of the local people. 
Government restrictions mean six people per table only at pubs and restaurants for New Year's. No mingling, no dancing. But bars and nightclubs are closed across B.C., hundreds of thousands in lost revenue. Indoor personal gatherings still restricted to household residents plus 10 individuals or one additional household if everyone 12 and older is fully vaccinated. We ask that everyone just adhere to the public health orders, follow those rules. Um, We will have extra officers out uh, on the Granville Entertainment District as well as in our Gastown Entertainment District. There will be more counterattacks going on. So needless to say, our officers will be out there to ensure everyone's safety. Freezing temperatures Friday, possibly a deterrent to venturing out. But for those who do, bundle up and have a plan for getting home, advise police. If you're going to go to a friend's house or you're going out to a restaurant and you're going to be consuming alcohol or, you know, cannabis, we're asking you to make a plan. Don't drive your vehicle and make alternate arrangements to keep everyone safe. TransLink offering free transit to customers across Metro Vancouver from 5 p.m. December 31st to 5 a.m. January 1st. Despite continued COVID chaos and the uncertainty which lies ahead, businesses are grateful. And I know we're going to get on the other side of it, but we need the help. Romina Dea, Global News. Coming up, journalists targeted in Hong Kong. The situation is worsening by the day. Why the police raid on a media outlet is drawing international condemnation. Also ahead, here we go again. A new warning about cruise ships as Omicron surges. For counter flow over here at the Massey Tunnel tonight. Traffic is moving well in both directions with just some minor congestion at the Steveston Merge to head south. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Criticism is growing worldwide after a raid on a media outlet in Hong Kong. Several journalists and staff were arrested, including a Canadian citizen. And as Paul Johnson reports, Vancouver MP Jenny Kwan is now adding her voice to those calling on Canada to condemn the action. Write things that we don't like, and it's off to jail for you. That's how Beijing's latest crackdown on journalists is being received by many in the West. And in Vancouver, it's personal for Member of Parliament Jenny Kwan. Freedom of the press, freedom of publication is no longer, even though that is explicitly protected under basic law in Hong Kong. Kwan was born in Hong Kong, and for her, Beijing's raid on the pro-democracy stands news this week is confirmation that they've reneged on their promise to tolerate freedom of speech made when they took over control of the city from Britain in the late 90s. The one country, two system promise is now dead. Chinese government in Beijing has spent the last year and a half uh, destroying the last uh, vestiges of democracy in Hong Kong. UBC's Michael Byers says while this is a grave attack on human rights, history shows authoritarian regimes never managed to shut down all dissent. He expects opposition to intensify overseas and likely in Canada, 
where many were stunned that among those arrested was canto pop singer Denise Ho, a Canadian citizen. She was released after about 30 hours in jail. These are the bad apples who are abusing their position simply by wearing a false coat of media worker. While Beijing argues that the seven arrested had committed sedition and presumably feels that shutting down a news outlet sends a strong message. There are many who point out that arresting reporters is seldom the style of the strong and confident, and more usually a method of the peevish and weak. If you're not able to uh, withstand criticisms uh, or a different point of view, I think it only highlights your own personal weaknesses and insecurities. Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, it was described as an international chess game involving world powers and diplomacy. And more and after more than two years, it finally came to an abrupt end in a Vancouver courtroom in September. Meng Wanzhou, the Huawei executive, was released from house arrest. And the two Canadians, known as the two Michaels, were sent back home. Rumina Dea followed this story from the beginning. The arrest of Chinese billionaire heiress, Meng Wanzhou. Ms. Meng, why should people believe you that you won't breach your bail? Do you have anything to say? Igniting an international political war. Meng, the CFO of Chinese tech giant Huawei, arrested at YVR December 2018 at the request of the United States. The Americans accusing Meng of lying to banks in order to get them to move money out of Iran in violation of U.S. sanctions. Beijing infuriated. Nine days after Meng is arrested, two Canadians, Michael Kovrig, a former diplomat, and Michael Spavor, an entrepreneur, arrested and jailed on charges of espionage. Prison conditions reportedly inhumane. Court proceedings held in secret. A stark contrast to Meng's case, where the hearing is public and the prisoner is on bail, living in her Vancouver mansion. It is obvious uh, that the two Michaels were arrested on trumped-up national security charges. Beijing denies accusations of retaliation. The crisis deepens after both men are found guilty. Spavor sentenced to 11 years. As the diplomatic standoff escalates, Canadian farmers also take a hit. Hundreds of millions at stake after China blocks imports of agricultural goods. With the world watching, Meng's extradition case comes to a dramatic halt September 24th at BC Supreme Court in Vancouver after American prosecutors strike a deal. Make some space. After more than 1,000 days, Meng is free. Over the past three years, my life has been turned upside down. It was disruptive time for me as a mother, a wife, and a company executive. Meng pleads not guilty to all charges, including bank and wire fraud. In exchange, the Americans get an admission of wrongdoing. The extradition request dropped by the U.S.
Hours later, Meng returns to the motherland, a national hero. As she touches down, so does another plane. This one in Canada. A prisoner swap. Kovrig and Spavor come home. Hostage diplomacy, undeniable, but denied by the high-level players who brokered the deal. Knowing that so many Canadians and others were aware of our situation and sending messages of support uh, really meant a lot to us. So thank you, thank everybody for that. Romina Dea, Global News. The CDC is recommending people avoid all cruise ship travel. A health notice was issued Thursday upping the level of concern for cruise ships from three to four, which is its highest level. Officials say even fully vaccinated travelers may be at risk of contracting or spreading COVID-19, mostly due to the Omicron variant. A number of outbreaks have been reported recently on cruise ships. Still to come, the chicken man of Vancouver. It's a big bad boy right here. From Pakistan to Canada, his surprising path to poultry success later in This Is BC. And up next, more fallout from the freezing weather, the first pipe that diverted commuters earlier today. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Seabus service has resumed after quite the sight earlier in the day when Waterfront Station really lived up to its name. This was the result of a burst pipe at the Vancouver Seabus Terminal. Service was suspended for several hours and additional buses added between Waterfront and Lonsdale Exchange. But regular Seabus service has now resumed. No word on whether the cold weather was responsible for that burst water pipe, but... Seems like a pretty safe bet. Let's bring in Yvonne Shell with more on our weather forecast. It certainly has been uh, unseasonably cold of late, Yvonne. <laughs> Absolutely. With the cold temperatures, we had that the weather maker move in late last night, overnight and into the morning hours, and the ingredients were there. We had snowfall, heavy at times, a snapshot. So anywhere between 15 and up to 20 centimeters for Metro Vancouver, but areas near Surrey even saw amounts uh, just over 20 centimeters. Now, it is going to be dry for this evening, but a heads up, chilly with the wind chiller into the minus double digits. It'll be icy as we get in towards the morning hours, and we've got a pleasant day to round off 2020 with some sunshine in the mix. This will actually be the next weather maker that is going to push in across the province. Timeline so far will be for the afternoon tomorrow and then we'll start to see that system along the south coast by our Saturday. Now, heads up though, winter storm watch for the sea to sky areas near Whistler. This is for Saturday and continuing to Sunday. This weekend, anywhere between 25 and potentially up to 45 centimeters of snowfall. The north coast and coastal areas inland could see up to 50 centimeters. So we are keeping a close eye for Friday, that'll develop along the north coast, and then it's Saturday, Sunday for areas near Whistler. Arctic outflow still in effect for areas into the Fraser Valley. Eastern areas, including Hope, wind chills into the minus 20s. The northeastern corners, extreme cold, wind chills minus 40. And along the north coast, inland with the wind chill at minus 30. So we have extreme cold and still a significant amount of snow for a few spots across the province. 
Flurries on our Saturday along the south coast, but I wanted to give a heads up. Change on the way for Sunday. Temperatures getting above the freezing mark. I anticipate we'll actually see a significant amount of rain, 20 and up to 30 millimeters. So we are watching the snow melt and the potential for some localized flooding. Could be possible, but then temperatures will dip down once again for the evening hours, and we could see some wet snowfall mixed with rain. Flurries will start to develop for the afternoon along the north coast, much of the central half of the province will see dry conditions for New Year's Eve, but chilly especially for the overnight and leading into Sunday. It's Saturday rather, and then on Sunday we are tracking some rain. Wind chill overnight tonight, minus 12. Tonight's weather window was captured early this morning. A beautiful shot, snowy Gastown, downtown Vancouver, and this one was captured by Victor. So, looks like a postcard. All right, thank you very much, Yvonne. Squire uh, is here now, and I was going to say, when Yvonne said rain on Sunday, it's like, oh, really? Looking forward to it? I like rain. Don't have to shovel it. That's right. I've oh never boy. shoveled rain yet. I don't know about this year, man, but it's almost over. It's, at least the Canucks, hopefully, will end uh, 2021 on a good That's note. true. Their, their year has just changed yeah. completely the moment they changed coaches. And during their uh, seven-game win streak, the Canucks have become a lot more aggressive pretty much in every aspect of the game. And we want to you know, try to create things, and we want to be the instigators of uh, a lot of stuff. It certainly worked last night when they beat the Anaheim Ducks 2-1 in overtime. Tonight, they uh, are not too far away from Anaheim. They're playing the L.A. Kings. And later tonight, how the chicken man of Vancouver turned rejection into a prime poultry opportunity. All right, let's end 2021 on an up note. I know there's still one more day left. I was going to say, is it already over? Is this the last game for the Canucks of 2021? Uh, Yes. Okay. Okay, so if the uh, Canucks beat... That's what I mean. Okay, I can live with that. Uh, If the Canucks beat the LA Kings tonight, two big things will be accomplished. One, they'll be over 500, and that hasn't happened since October 23rd, the sixth game of the season when they beat Seattle. And Bruce Boudreaux will have started... 8-0 as the Canucks head coach. Now, last night, he became just the third coach in NHL history to start 7-0 with a new team. Now, of course, a lot of strategy has changed under Bruce Boudreau, and all of it so far has worked. They've applied high pressure, forechecking at all times. They've turned the other team's end of the ice into a very bad neighborhood. Here's just one example from last night. Make the Ducks have to work to get the puck out of their own end. Don't back up and form a defensive stance closer to your own goal. And when you do have a chance to go, do it. Quinn Hughes rushing up the left side sets up a Tanner Pearson goal. It's been an effective way to play for Vancouver, and most of all, it's fun. Players like to like to play uh, to score. They don't like to play to to always defend but sometimes the best offense is the also the best defense and vice versa so i mean um we want to go out and we want to you know try to create things and we want to be the instigators of uh, a lot of stuff hill out of his net had that knocked down by pearson puck is centered besser shoots he scores i mean there's not a lot of thinking going on you just do go out there finish your checks and try to win battles so it's uh uh it's always uh, work for me. So, I mean, I didn't think that it would, 
you know, there would be any reason to, to change it. I guess from the other way, you know, if, if you got if you're a defenseman going back for a puck or you're in your own end um, and you got a team that's forechecking hard and putting that pressure on you and kind of coming in on waves and they're right on top of you, it's, it's tough to break the puck out as a defenseman. The Canucks' seventh straight win last night was another example of a team believing it's never out of it. Much different than the Canucks team we saw earlier this season. Um, I think we're tired of saying, you know, we played good, but it wasn't enough. We needed two points tonight. We understand that we're creeping back in this right now. There's tons of belief, and I don't think this room would have been satisfied with anything other than two points. I've seen so many teams that are hot, like even on six on fives at the end. You just know they're going to score because they feel that they 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 feel it. And uh, uh, right now, we feel like we can compete with most teams. So I mean, uh, we're we're excited to try these challenges tonight. Will be a huge challenge, and we're looking forward and forward to embracing the challenge rather than being afraid of the challenge right now. How about this? Last night, Victoria Royals, Bailey Peach against the Giants. That's right. Do the Michigan. Go lacrosse style. Take a couple more looks at that. More players are trying this. It looks great when you make it. Not so great when you don't. But when you make it, you usually get on TV. Uh, Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, who's 39, says the Monday night game coming up between Pittsburgh and Cleveland might be the last one he ever plays at Heinz Field. Unless, of course, the Steelers make the playoffs and get a home date. He hasn't said he's retiring yet, but it seems likely he will. His entire 18-year career has been spent with Pittsburgh, where, of course, he has led the Steelers to a couple of Super Bowl wins. And our women's Olympic gold medal winning soccer team was named the Canadian Team of the Year by the Canadian Press. Who else would you pick? We won the gold in penalty kicks on uh, Julia Grosso's goal. It was perfect that Christine Sinclair, the queen of Canadian soccer, was on the team to win the gold as well. The ultimate reward for an incredible career. That championship win was a highlight of a 12-match unbeaten streak for Canada's women. There she is right there, Christine <laughs> Sinclair. It was early in the morning, right, because I was watching it in bed on my iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Squire. Up next, a Vancouver man who refused to chicken out when KFC wouldn't hire him. revenge is big success and so it was for a man who was rejected for a job at KFC and turned the situation around to give the colonel a run for his money. As Jay Durant tells us, who needs 11 herbs and spices when you've got the chicken man? Dancing chicken, now we're going to make it dance until it's fried. It's hard for Adil Jahangir to hide his passion for chicken. See it, the fine layer of... uh crumbs breading it's what he's been learning most of his life he's breaded a lot of pieces over his 22 year career ah, i think uh, at least more than two million as a 19 year old in pakistan adil was part of the bronze medal winning team at an international kfc competition basically the company's world cup and it changed his life i still think of that as as one of my biggest achievements ever 
After showing so much promise within the company, he moved his family to Calgary and applied for a managerial job with KFC, but he was turned down. I was devastated that I, I was struggling at that time with my finances and uh, with the first kid out there and I was, I was really hoping that I could get that job. A deal ended up going back to Pakistan, but he didn't give up. He would return to Canada, move to Vancouver, buy this chicken rolled in Surrey, and open another four locations with the help of his brother, Abbas. Yes. Make question number yes. 15. Okay. And they've added some pop culture from back home. The Gobber Burger on the menu is named after a famous actor from Bollywood films. If you would name Gabber Burger or most of the people from subcontinent, they'd be able to answer you. It's a big bad boy right here. KFC has 11 herbs and spices. Adil's recipe has more. 13 herbs and spices. Yes. Better than KFC. Definitely better than KFC. <laughs> this is it, the Gabber Burger. But there's no bitterness towards his former employer. As Adil reminds himself, when one door closes, another one opens up. Better than finger licking good. <laughs> Jay Durant, Global News. Eat your heart out, KFC. Well, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. So are we all craving fried chicken now? Hungry. <laughs> what are the herbs and spices? Does anyone know? I'm going to guess okay. maybe salt and pepper. <laughs> okay, so those are two. That's two. We've, We've got, got a few more to work on. <laughs> All right, uh, Yvonne, I don't even know if I want to know what's in <laughs> store for us, but go ahead. It's going to be chilly, uh, so the, the snow is going to stick around. Be prepared, especially for the morning. It'll be slick out there. We've got a dry one, though, to end off uh, for tomorrow. And then New Year's Day, we are looking at some flurries. The concern will actually be on Sunday, the latter half of the weekend, where we've got rain, heavy at times. And then we could see that rain-snow mix. So temperatures will be close to hovering the freezing mark for overnight lows. For tomorrow night, New Year's Eve, though, it's going to be a chilly one with the wind chill feeling closer to minus 14, but dry so far. And Squire's looking forward to the rain. Yes, I am. Because you don't like to drive I'm a in pluvio- the snow? Is that, what is the word? Pluviophile? Is that the word? I don't, I don't even know. i got to look it up. i got to look it up, too. A word of the day. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have. Have a good night. Be safe, everyone.